Ahoy, it's your boy, and welcome to episode 30 of the podcast. This is M. Man, the Dirty 30 episode. Who'd have thunk we'd make it this far, but we did. Um, damn, dude, and we're just fucking keep doing this, dude. Probably the most consistent podcast on the internet, right? Damn, at least, you know, I don't know. I think a lot of people start things and they think, oh, I'm just going to keep doing this. But damn, we have put it up every week since we started, man. And, you know, I'm not saying that that's something you can hang your life on, but uh, I'm pretty damn proud of that um, as I'm thinking about it right now. But for now, you can tune into the podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts and subscribe. Do the damn thing. And uh, take a minute, rate, review us, give us a five-star review, type a couple sentences about why you like this podcast, and share it with a friend. If you enjoy the podcast yourself, I'm sure you have a friend who will. Just uh, think of one person in your life who, think, uh, who you think would like the podcast and share it with them. Damn, my stomach's growling. Otherwise, you can subscribe to the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at ThisIsMPod. And uh, what else? I don't know. Find us on YouTube. Nobody is watching the shit I put up on the new YouTube channel, uh, which makes sense. Uh, you know, anytime you do, s- I was going to say something creative, but it's really anything. There's this idea of funnels, right? So, you know, in order to make conversions, you need to touch or reach or be seen by X number of people, you know, and I think for different things, the conversion ratio is higher or lower. Um, I mean, if you're selling sex, you're going to have a high conversion ratio, but if you're, uh, asking people to tune into your hour long podcast every week, it's going to be a um, smaller margin of people who are interested. But the point is, is that you have to touch X number of people before you get so many conversions. And um, while we have a small dedicated uh, body of listeners to this podcast, um, and there's an upper trend for that too. Like I said, we, I think we have we have uh, over 100 listeners now. Every time a new podcast goes, goes up, the new one gets you know just over 100 listens right away. And we have uh, a few hundred listens of different episodes over the pod, all, all the episodes over the course of the week. And uh, it's interesting. You can kind of see people crawling their way through um, through all the episodes, which means that um, wherever people tune in, it seems, at least this is what the numbers look like to me, that people are going back and listening to other episodes. So that's really the goal. So um, if you're hearing this when it comes out, thanks for listening. If you're catching up at a later date or any time in the future, Thanks for crawling through the episodes, and uh, it means a lot. Uh, I know what it's like to stumble on something that I'm interested in, and if if this podcast happens to be that for you, fucking perfect. Mission accomplished. Um, Damn, dude, Dirty 30 episode. I'm thinking, dude, shit's hard right now, and it's not, you know, I don't know. I've talked about how blessed I am, yada, 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 lucky to be working, um, lucky to have my girlfriend, etc., but I am so fucking depressed right now. Um, you know, actually, I should turn on my goddamn light. I have this satellite that I haven't turned on in forever. I'm going to put that on right now. And I'm going to make it nice and fucking bright, too. Oh, blinding. Oh, I can already feel my mood getting better. Um, I'll set it for an hour, actually. This will be my timer for the podcast episode. Um... Yeah, man, I'm depressed. Um, I'm not being physically active. I'm definitely gaining weight. I feel awful in my body. I'm so sedentary. And by the end of every day, I'm just like stewing in my own juices. And, you know, I just feel oily and gross. And, you know, I don't know. And now school started, so it's like, 
you know, we have these exams that are literally, you know, we have one week back of classes and we're already getting exams. So it's like this whole week has been like cram for chemistry, especially. And, you know, I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm running a race I didn't train for, you know? And, um, yeah, I don't know. I look on social media now and I don't know all the fucking jokes that people are, I I don't know. I know that this is, I know coronavirus and quarantine is the only thing that people are thinking about right now, but it's like, you know, maybe it's because I talk about it on the crisis lines for eight hours when I work or, you know, even when I'm with my girlfriend, it's all we talk about. I'm just sick and tired of hearing about it, you know? And when I'm in therapy, it's all I talk about. And I'm just like, yeah, I'm just so sick of it. And, um, the hard part is that there's no end in sight, you know? Um, at least here in the Bay area, they've extended the uh, shelter in place to the end of April. And, but honestly, I'm, I'd be surprised if it's over then. Um, school, I think, uh, is for most schools, I think in the area are definitely on hiatus for the rest of the semester. Um, and, um, and we'll see, I was supposed to be doing summer school, but, um, but, uh, yeah, we'll just have to see. I don't know. Um, I had one, I was thinking of one thing, uh, right as the, uh, I was sort of setting up the microphone here where I was thinking it's the dirty 30 episode. What does that mean exactly? And, you know, I'm glad the podcast has been consistent. Um, and I know, uh, at the end of the last episode, we spent a long time talking about my last romantic relationship in my twenties. And, um, and, uh, it was, it seems sort of, cosmically connected or coincidental, I don't know what you want to call it, that on our 29th episode, at the time of that recording, my thoughts were kind of orbiting something that happened in my 29th year. And I was thinking as I was setting up the microphone, like, damn, I feel fucking depressed. And I thought, man, when I was 30, it was both a very sad, but also exhilarating time in my life. Um, If you go back to episode 13 of the podcast, Book of Changes, I talk about the time I uh, discovered the I Ching or Book of Changes, uh, which is an ancient Chinese book of divination philosophy that um, uh, Chinese philosophy especially still uh, is a huge thing for me, but uh, the I Ching in particular was sort of like my focus, my creative or intellectual focus, or I don't know what you, you know, and like burgeoning psycho-spiritual focus for a few years, probably three years. And, um, you know, it's still something I'm I'm really interested in, but um, that all happened when I was 30 years old. And it's such a weird time in my life because, you know, I met my now girlfriend when I was 31. We've been together for almost uh, four years now. And that period between ending the last relationship in my 20s and uh, meeting my girlfriend was both an exhilarating and exciting time in my life. Like I look back on it now and I kind of miss parts of it. You know, I, I would never want to go back there. Um, like I think if I broke up with my girlfriend and I was back to being single and my life was actually what it was back when I was 31, I would be fucking crushed and depressed. Do you know what I mean? Like no matter where you're at in your life, it has its own set of quote problems and I'm only calling them problems because I don't know what else to call it, but everything comes with its own, with its own, um, um, I don't know, terrain or situations that you have to navigate and, you know, being single kind of sucks, you know? I mean, even people who, you know, never, maybe, you know, people say they don't want to be in relationships. That's fine. I believe them. But for most of us, being single is really, 
I mean, there are fun things that can happen, but it's just not good for your soul. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I think most people, when they find someone that they're willing to settle down with, there's just a certain calm that enters your life that is more sustainable and it's good for you. And it gives you a sort of structure and system that you can sort of thrive in. Um, and like I said, it comes with its, with its own situations that have to be navigated and, and its own difficulties and its own challenges. Maybe that's the word for it. Problems is not it. Challenges is probably the right word, but, um, but, um, yeah, there are aspects of that time in my life when I was 31 that I look back on and I, especially creatively, I mean, well, I guess it's sort of a double-edged sword because, you know, I've also alluded to the, the idea when I was 31 and falling into the Ching, I felt like I had this creative insight and inspiration for a project that I just have never really picked up. And in some ways, um, the podcast now is just kind of a faint, uh, echo kind of orbiting, um, that creative idea. And I know I'm being uh, vague and you have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, but the point is, is, and actually, I mean, who am I kidding? I think a lot of people have this type of thing. Um, you know, you have an idea, you have a creative impulse, maybe it's a novel you want to write, a play you want to write, a movie you want to write, or, um, uh, dude, I mean, I go back to the idea of, um, have you seen the movie Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Uh, it's an interesting movie. I don't know if it's a great movie, but there is one aspect of it. I think the actor's name is Jason Siegel. Um, I think I was actually trying to remember his name when I was talking about the end of the tour, the David Foster Wallace film that I actually think is pretty good. Um, with Jesse Eisenberg, I think is his name. But anyway, uh, Jason, Jason Siegel is also in it. But anyway, he's in this movie, Forgetting Sarah Marshall. You've probably seen it. But he has this inspiration where he wants to create a, a Dracula puppet musical, which sounds fucking insane, but that's something he really wants to do. And when he starts dating Mila Kunis's character, that's something that she encourages him and supports him doing. Now, it sounds fucking insane, but for whatever reason, the cosmos on this single individual bestowed this idea on them that probably couldn't have come out uh, or couldn't have come from anybody else but him. Do you know what I mean? Someone, someone tells you that they want to do a puppet Dracula musical and you're like, what the fuck? That sounds ridiculous. But for whatever reason, that resonates with that person. And it's probably for like deep, deep reasons of things that they encountered in their, in their childhood, like the, the aesthetic of the first Dracula movie they saw, uh, I don't know, there's something, maybe there's something Freudian there, but um, but the idea is that that person sees something deep and meaningful and worth communicating about that, uh, about that project, and if they ever see it through, those are the types of things that people maybe eventually see and go, holy fuck, like, where did that come from? You know, it's it's something new and novel that people haven't seen before. I mean... I've actually never listened to it, but, you know, the global sensation, the musical sensation that's sweeping the globe right now is Hamilton, right? Now, if you had said, I want to do an all-black uh, version of American history that's rapped, people would be like, uh, okay. But that thing was fucking huge, you know? But for whatever reason, that person... And it's not about just doing something novel. It's about feeling compelled to actually do something. You know, it really comes from you. It's something that you're really driven to do. And uh, if you persevere, it just might be the thing that the world has been needing, you know, or it, it, at the very least, if, you know, uh, you you take the world from zero to one, meaning there was this hole where nobody's ever created a Dracula puppet musical before and no one's done an all black 
version of American history that's wrapped. Uh, well, that's the perfect time to get in and do that because, you know, they've seen a bunch of romantic, romantic comedies. They've seen a bunch of rock operas. But um, here's this niche or niche that you can sort of get into and create something. So anyway, I had an idea that I thought was something like that, and I never carried it out, and I still haven't. And I still think about it all the time, and I just haven't done it. Um, so in some ways, I do think about that time, and I'm sort of sad, because I remember how thrilling it was. You know, I did have this period where I really felt this sort of, it, it was like a, I mean, it was both the I Ching, it was creativity, and also I was working on myself a lot. So I felt like I was breaking through a lot of things that had been stymieing me for a long time. Um, and it was sort of this like Hamlet. Yeah, I guess the hard part of that chapter of my life comes from, it was sort of this Hamlet scenario where Hamlet knows he wants to kill his stepfather and he wants to avenge his father's death, but he just can't bring himself to act. Do you know, and so the the drama of Hamlet is somebody who has a strong sense of what they know they need to do and can't bring themselves to do it, and they feel the window of opportunity closing, and you know they're just tortured by this idea: am I am I gonna do what I believe I was meant to do? You know, I don't know. We've talked about never-ending story. It's all that sort of thing. You know, do you live with your feet on the ground, or do you dare to do the thing that you've always dreamed? You know, and it's the people who dare to do the things that they've always dreamed that, you know, create, they keep this, you know, they, they keep things alive for other people. You know, they, they are the living embodiment that inspire people to, to dare to do things that nobody else would do. Um, two thoughts just jumped into my head. You know the guy who did the tightrope walk across the World Trade Center? Um, there's a documentary about it. They did a, a less than awesome movie uh, version of it with... Uh, what's Josh? It's not Josh Hartnett. Who the fuck is it? Maybe it is. I don't know. It's one of those sort of teen idol guys or matinee teen idol, whatever the fuck, which is not great. Um, they did a documentary. Is it called Into Thin Air or is that the book? I don't fucking know. But anyway, there was a French dude who tightrope tight walked between the towers of the World Trade Center. Now that's fucking crazy. And you think about all the planning and the scheming and everything that went into that. And you think... That somebody persevere, they not, not only even dared to even think to do something like this, the journey of actually getting it done is fucking insane. And any other person, every fiber of their being, every impediment would have been a clear sign from the cosmos to not do this. Not just the fact that you're risking death by attempting it, but everything, you know, eluding the guards, you know, you know, um, getting costumes, uh, renting a van. I mean, just the, just the executing of it is fucking insane. And, uh, that somebody did it though. People saw that and they're, they're literally, their minds were fucking blown. Do you know what I mean? In other episodes, I've talked about the sort of like Tolstoyan, if that's a word, uh, this idea of Tolstoy about this great work being carried out in the cosmos. And, you know, sometimes you feel a moment of inspiration to do something and you either do it or you don't, but the work will be carried out. And if, you know, it's like you're a prophet and if you don't heed the call, well, then the call will go to somebody else. But all the while, there's this great work being carried out in the world. 
and people hear the call and they act or they don't and the work passes on to somebody else. But it's not, it's less about who the responsibility falls to and who carries it out as much as this sort of cosmic plan or work is actually done by somebody. Um, and every once in a while, somebody does something that feels like it's a part of that. And it's something, it's not something that you could have possibly foreseen. I mean, I think it could even be bad things. Um, at least that's even what Tolstoy entertains, you know, um, you know, something like nine eleven, also related to the World Trade Center could, could in some way be, um, this cosmic work being carried out. Um, uh, <laughs> the minute I say that, I want to apologize for it. Um, but, uh, just hear me out. It's just an idea. Don't crucify me for it. But, um, yeah, but people who witness somebody doing this thing, it, like, I, I, I don't know if I mentioned it before, but Tupac has that quote where he says, I may not change the world, but I guarantee you, I will spark the mind that will change the world. And it's this sort of, like, you know, a, a relay race with a baton. You just pass it off to the next person. It's not that any one deed in and of itself, in, in, in and of itself changes the world, but it's this baton that gets passed off. And it's about keeping the ball in the air. It's about keeping things buoyed up, you know, and just volleying back and forth. And so somebody does this thing and it just sort of, it's another gust of wind into the sail of this cosmic work that pushes things forward. And it's not that everybody who sees the sky tightrope across the World Trade Center, it's not this life-changing experience for them, but one person will see it and it will inspire them to do the thing that, that they're supposed to do. Do you know what I mean? Um... The other example I think of is Harry Houdini. You know, this idea of spending as much time as this person did, literally dedicating their life to, you know, this art of escape. Um, and, you know, people talk about things like, I think someone tells us anecdote of walking in on Harry Houdini in his, in his sort of workshop or whatever, and he was practicing passing objects between his toes. Like, you know how someone like roll a coin over their fingers Harry Houdini was like practicing, like jog, j like juggling a key over his toes or something like that. I mean, when you think about, you know, what does someone do who, you know, he would have to like um, swallow and then cough up keys and that sort of stuff. And it's like the average person would just be focused in their life, would be focused on getting a job, getting married, having kids. And you have someone like Harry Houdini who's like escaping from straitjackets and going from town to town doing these demonstrations. And like, do you know what I mean? And it's not that everyone can do that, you know, then nothing would get, would get done. But there are these people, you know, and maybe Harry Houdini was one of them. They just show society what can be accomplished if you dare to sort of jump out of the stream of or the momentum that everybody else seems to be swept up in and dedicate your life to something you truly feel called to do, what you can accomplish and what, what that might inspire in other people. Um, and I think that's the idea. It's not just something you want. Well, hmm. I was about to say, it seems like the people who actually have the most success in these areas, when, when you scratch their, the service a little bit, they tend to be sort of unhealthy <laughs> in some ways. You know, I, I had this other thought, and I, I don't want to change subjects here, but it's like the people who are eventually successful, usually in entertainment, are profoundly disturbed. Um, 
and part of it, I think, is you hit so many impediments and you have so many challenges that most normal people eventually, they just decide and understand that life would be easier and they might be happier if they did something else. But usually the people who persevere and succeed, it's because they have such a deep psychological need to be validated in some area. You know, they were usually traumatized or ignored in their childhood. And however they're constituted, this idea has calcified in their brain that their success in this arena will assuage the pain that is stemming from that former injury. You know, the need to be loved, the need to be validated, the need to be acknowledged, the need to be celebrated. So in some ways, only the people who are psycho, I don't know if you want to say psychologically disturbed, but the people who are injured to that degree will succeed. Because if you're, quote, healthy, if you're any healthier, if you're, you know, even if you're somewhat, even if your needle skews toward that side of the spectrum, if it doesn't pass a certain, certain threshold, you know, you'll just sort of, you'll find something else to do with your life, you know? I mean, I talk about all the time the you know, the value of letting the experience shape you. And I guess, you know what I'm thinking about? I'm thinking about these, you know, the, a lot of them are comedian podcasters, like the Joe Rogans, Joey Diaz people or whatever. And Joey Diaz, who's a fucking phenomenal comedian, he tells this story now that they're all successful comedians and they're still doing comedy. He'll brush up against older comedians who were formerly aspiring to be professionals and did something else with their life. And when he checks in with them, they say things like, oh, my life's so much better. I have a family now and I'm out of the rat race. And Joey Diaz just sort of rolls his eyes at them and, and he kind of sees them as losers, you know? And I sort of understand that if being a successful comedian is, you know, if in your very personal opinion, excuse me, and again, I go back to this idea of actually being kind of traumatized and disturbed to the extent that you think success in comedy or musician model, actress, whatever it is, if that's the only thing that's going to make you happy, of course you would see anyone who gave up on that dream to be a loser. Um, but uh, what am I saying? I think I'm just trying to say that people are constituted differently. But um, shit, man. Wow. I feel like I tied my thoughts into a Gordian knot here. Um, So yes, on the one hand, it seems like people have to be psychologically disturbed to sort of uh, dedicate their life to something like this. Because there is something crazy about it, right? It actually doesn't make sense. You know, most people at some point say, damn, I gotta, you know, I gotta have some money, I gotta have a job, I gotta raise a family. I mean, also you hear from people who are successful and their kids say that they were horrible parents. Uh, You know what I mean? Uh, How many celebrities like uh, have kids who are just fucking tortured? You know, because you've literally given your life to something. You know, there's no room for something else. Even if it's kids, even if it's family, even if it's your, you know. Um, But anyway, I don't want to dissect this too much. I'm just talking about this idea of, I do have a sense, or I do believe sometimes that there is this, there's a feeling like there's this cosmic work being carried out. And if we just dared to dedicate our time to something that we truly feel called to do, we can sort of be a link in that chain. Do you know? I mean, I wonder if the shelter in place is, is actually kind of recalibrating people. I don't want to talk about it too definitively. I mean, I, I know, I think one of the first episodes where I was talking about this whole thing, the shelter in place and 
there is a sense that it was an opportunity. Do you know, and I don't know what that means exactly, except I do feel there's an opportunity here to sort of reflect or something, and I just don't want to miss it. You know, I don't want to spend this whole shelter in place like watching Netflix and like getting fat, you know, which is, um, well, I've definitely been getting fat, but I don't know if I, I mean, I haven't been streaming a lot of content, but, uh, mostly it's been chemistry homework the last week, but, um, but it's this idea that there's an opportunity, you know, and I know it's, inc- I know this time is incredibly hard for a lot of people. You know, people are out of work. People don't know how they're going to make money. People have families to take care of. People are sick. You know, I mean, I mentioned my, uh, my neighbors, one of my neighbors, uh, her father passed away unrelated to, to coronavirus, but died. My girlfriend's aunt is mm, ostensibly dying. She had a stroke. She was on a ventilator. They took her off the ventilator. And I think they were assuming that it was only a matter of time. She still seems to be breathing on her own, but she's in a precarious situation. Um, John Prine died from uh, complications from coronavirus. So I know that, that things are incredibly difficult, but also at the same time for many people, you know, people are, I see people running all the time, you know? And I think a lot of people are saying, shit, man, I gotta, I gotta stay active. I think a lot of people are setting fitness goals for themselves. Um, I think people are uh, setting creative goals for themselves, you know? Like for me, I've been doing a lot of jazz drumming <laughs> and uh, would I have that time to dedicate if I had other obligations? Probably not. Um, you know, I'm sure someone's reading all the novels of Dickens right now or something. Do you know what I mean? And I'm wondering if that is not demonstrating to people what life could be like. You know, it's this sort of forced period of reflection where everybody's sort of going about their life and their day, you know, reaching for the brass ring and earning money and squirreling it away and buying things and if you're forced to stay home and be quiet, you know, and, and find things like, like if you have no obligations, what do you, what do you actually do with your time? You know? And I think when you give that gift of time to people, um, it's, I think when they reflect on how they're, how they would choose to spend it, it can be illuminating, you know? And I, you know, and I'm sure some people are depressed like I am, but I bet there's also some people who are thinking, wow, this actually makes me really happy. When I go through my day and I bake a loaf of bread every day and then I read at night and I spend more time with my kids, do you know? And I give myself permission to maybe eat a little worse than I normally do. I actually feel a lot happier. And, you know, it's not tightrope walking across the World Trade Center or being Harry Houdini or you know, whatever it is, but it's just this recalibration. Do you know, it's just doing what you, you know, listening to that voice inside you that you, that, you know, it's not just artists and everybody else who has a calling, do you know, or have a voice that needs to be heard telling them what their life's work could be or needs to be, to be happy. Do you know, everybody has that. It's, you know, even if you're a used car salesman in fucking Biloxi, Mississippi, you know, you have a life that's potentially every bit as rich and full and meaningful and profound and poignant as fucking Napoleon, 
<laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, I mean, in a way, that's what the best art does, is it takes the mundane... I mean, it's nice to see historical dramas of fucking important people and important events, events in history fucking, I don't know, watching... Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of a fucking male actor now. Hugh Jackman played Julius Caesar crossing the Rubicon or some bullshit. But, you know, it's mundane stories of of, of things that would... other. I mean, I'm, I'm, for some reason, I'm thinking about Raymond Carver, the author, who just wrote stories about n- nobodies that you would never think about, but they're just poignant and beautiful. Anyway, um, you know, everybody has a sort of... Yeah, everybody has a voice and a calling that... Um, you know, we have this sense if we were just given space to be our truest self. And actually, it's courage. I think this is what I'm driving at. I'm getting back to this idea of Harry Houdini. If we could all just summon the courage to be the people that we want to be in our lives, I think we feel like we would fulfill our potential. Do you know? I mean, do you feel that way? You know, I have this idealized sense of myself. Like, there's the life that I'm living... I feel like I'm going through it like Pinocchio, like I'm a half human. And all the while, standing to my right, there's this parallel me, this idealized version of me that just makes all the right decisions. And it's, and it's this almost hologram of what my life could be like if I was only able to keep up with this person. And sometimes as I go through life, I, they feel very far away because they're fucking shooting off on the trajectory I should be on, and I'm sort of wallowing in my fucking Pinocchio life. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? My half human Pinocchio, not a real boy life. And the idealized version of myself is not fettered, you know, doesn't have the puppet strings that I have, which is doubt and all these sorts of things. You know, it's, they're unfettered, they're free, they're courageous, they, you know, this is the type of person if, you know, the idealized version of myself, if they ever felt called to tightrope walk across the World Trade Center or become a Harry Houdini or fucking make a Dracula puppet musical, that person does it. You know, and I'm not pretending that, that it's not a challenge, but they, they stick to it. Um, they're calibrated in a way that they, will, that they persevere, whereas I feel comparatively so inhibited. You know? And even for someone like me, it's not like I'm, I go through my life like, um, I mean, I know people who are truly inhibited. You know, I think and I talk and sometimes even experience myself as a person who's never done anything. Do you know what I mean? Like there's people I know who I've known since I was 15 who talked about being a screenwriter or the film that they were going to write. And it's 20 years later and they've never done anything. They have not put one word to pay, paper. Do you know what I mean? You know, I've, I've written hundreds of songs. I've recorded multiple albums. You know, I've played hundreds and hundreds of shows. You know, I've traveled performing. I've taken risks. I've auditioned for this. I've auditioned for that. I've gone to that conference. So I've done a lot. Hell, I'm doing the podcast right now. Dude, for some, for some people listening to this, I guarantee you, there is someone listening to this right now who their Dracula Puppet musical is a podcast. And they're not doing it. You know, so I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to be fair to myself. You know, I'm not, I'm not pretending that I go through my life not doing anything, but I still feel like I think a lot of people do, which is there's something I'm supposed to be doing that I can't bring myself to do. 
that it would be too crazy. And for whatever reason, I think if I could just choose to become the person who does those things, like I was talking with somebody, I've talked about it in therapy too, so I, I'll, I'll spare this. I, I want to respect this person's privacy and I'll just talk about it the way I've talked about it in therapy before, which is, you, you, you know your boy's sober. I don't smoke cigarettes. I don't drink alcohol. I don't smoke weed. Um, I have not ingested a mind-altering substance in like three years or something like that. Excuse me. Um, and I would say until recently, <laughs> until the last few weeks, I would say I'm a relatively healthy person. Do you know? I remember one time my buddy Tom Rhodes, a, mu- a mu- musician Tom Rhodes, not the comedian Tom Rhodes, spelled the exact same way, but my musician friend Tom Rhodes, he told me, he says, love makes you fat. <laughs> and I was like, I, we were uh, we were thinking about a mutual friend of ours, and I and uh, well, I feel bad saying it, but I said, oh yeah, she's gained a lot of weight since she's met her um, her partner. He says, yeah, dude, love makes you fat. And he was talking from experience, you know. He, I mean, when I met Tom, he probably weighed. I think he told me at his highest he was knocking on the door of three hundred pounds. He may have been like two seventy five or something like that. And then when I met him, he was a big guy, but we started, uh, he started getting physically active. We started running together. I was running a lot at that time and he, he dropped a lot of weight, but that always stuck with me, you know? And I have noticed since I met my now girlfriend, yeah, I've gained a significant amount of weight. Now, to be fair, before I met my girlfriend, I was fucking emaciated. I was, I mean, I literally did not feel good in my body. I was too skinny. You know, I'm like five, six and a half, five, seven. And uh, I think at my lowest weight, I weighed like 132, you know, I may have even dropped down to like 128 or something. And I felt like I looked okay, but God damn, dude, I did not feel good. And uh, I was not healthy. So I could have stand to gain about, uh, you know, 10, 15 pounds anyway. But now I'm now I've the needle's gone in the other direction. You know, I'm probably about 10, 15 pounds overweight, honestly. And, and I don't mean you know, I don't think the average person looks at me and thinks that I'm fat. I just mean physically in my own body, I feel not healthy. Do you know what I mean? I feel like, I bet if I lost 10, 15 pounds, I feel a lot better. Anyway, why the fuck am I talking about this? Um, being healthy, love makes you fat. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? Love makes you fat. <laughs> Dude, I have fucking no idea. Dude, it's funny. I go back and I listen to these episodes sometimes and I think, oh, that's too bad you didn't get back to what you were talking about because that was a good point. You know, I get, I get lost in the weeds of these fucking side things and I always think, well, I'll diverge here and I'll get back to what the fuck I was talking about. And sometimes I do, but sometimes I don't. I sort of laugh. I think, wow, you totally abandoned that concept and you fucking never came back to it. You know? And a lot of people let podcasts wash over them and maybe they don't notice it. But anyone who's really listening would be like, oh shit, well, what happened to that story? Um, yeah, before I met my girlfriend, dating. Damn, dude, I literally have no idea what I was talking about. I know we were talking about creative courage and confidence and... Damn, dude, fuck. This is the worst. In a way, though, I've talked about in the past, like, when you're on dates and stuff, it, it you always feel bad if you let moments like this sort of freak you out. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, I have this moment I always remember, not because it was particularly bad, it just, I think that was the first time my mind sort of turned the, the corner on this, the corner on this idea. That was the first time I had this takeaway, which was, I used to do this old podcast called Shut Up Songwriters with Musicians. We've talked about it on other episodes of the podcast, but, you know, I would interview artists and I would have this little, like, uh, legal pad or something. I had written a couple questions down that I would prepare for the interview. And sometimes in our, the course of our conversation, it would steer away from the questions. And there would be times where I would be listening to the other person's answer, but I'm trying to weave it back into what I was planning on talking about. And there would be times where it was like my brain would short circuit and I'd have like a brain fart and I would feel the energy drop, you know, like they had, (laughs) I would literally feel their sentence ending and know in my head, I have nothing to fucking say when they're finished. And there'd be this awkward moment of, "Mm mm-hmm, now it's my turn to speak. And I go, um, and I'm like, look at the legal pad. And I'm just like, um, uh, and I don't know what to fucking say. And those moments were a little painful for me. And there was one with my friend, Anna Anti-Palindrome, who's a great artist that people should check out. But I remember there was a moment where the energy dropped and there was a long silence. And I remember saying something like, oh, um, anyway, I know we've lost the conversation, but don't worry, this moment will be edited out or something like that. But I thought of, I reflected on that and I said, why did that happen? You know, how can I avoid that happening in the future? And my conclusion was, oh, because I wasn't just trusting the flow of the conversation. You know, I was trying to force the conversation to be something that it wasn't becoming. And I looked at that as a fault rather than just trusting the process and going where the river fucking flowed or whatever. I was like, oh shit, it's not what I planned it. And it's not what I pictured in my head. And for some reason that translated into dating for me too, or dude, even just talking to strangers. Do you know what I mean? Um, that year and a half after, you know, when I was 30 and I was dating for like a year and a half and I dated a lot, but also part of my practice, which was just going out and talking to people, you know, and part of just forging that part of my personality where I became more confident was just not taking responsibility for the conversation and just following it where it went. Like guys, if you're scared to talk to, I was going to say the opposite sex, but if you're talking any romantic interest, male, female, whatever, if that's hard for you, if you're one of these dudes who's like going to get one of these books like The Game or, you know, get pickup lines or whatever, prepare to be disappointed because it's not going to fucking work for you. Do you know what I mean? If you think that you're going to have this sort of scripted movie-like conversation with somebody where you sort of win the conversational game and take them home, that's just never, never going to happen. You know, what people really respond to is confidence. And uh, part of confidence is just trusting the process and, and actually demonstrating that you're comfortable no matter where's, where this goes, I'm comfortable here. And that communicates confidence to somebody. So anyway, not that I'm feeling confident right now, but I think this is, you know, when I, hear, when I feel those lulls or those silences, I think, well, it's happening for a reason. I mean, in a way, it's a sort of microcosm for what I'm talking about with this whole shelter in place in general. You know, that this is the time to sort of reflect and recalibrate. And like, if you try to use this, time, if you try to use the shelter in place time to sort of hit home runs on all the shit that is your everyday life, that would feel like a wasted opportunity. But I bet the people who are getting the most out of this time are the people who are letting it shape them, who are saying, damn, I have all this time. What do I really want to do? And they try something different instead of like, 
holding on with both hands onto who they think they should be or how they should be spending their time. If they just listen to that quieter, more earnest voice inside themselves, that calling voice, if they just fucking put the needle, like like everybody talks about this record playing in your head, if you just dared to take the needle off and just stick it in another fucking groove, like what song plays, <laughs> you know? Um... Yeah, instead of holding on with both hands and just hoping that it becomes... Like, instead of just playing out the same fucking movie in your head, just letting something else come on. Sometimes it makes all the difference. Silence is not easy to tolerate, is it? If you're normally the type of person who takes responsibility for the conversation and tries to steer the ship all the time, if there's ever a lull, you freak the fuck out. I mean, even earlier in this episode when I was talking and, this, and I was just sort of bang, 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 It was like I was thinking and talking so fast. It was like I couldn't keep track of things. But I was still patting myself on the back internally thinking, man, you're really talking a mile a minute. This is great. This is engaging content. This is good stuff. And that's great if you want to just create white noise. You know, if you do just want to create a sort of pepperoni pizza podcast that people can just sort of eat and not really think about and feel satiated. And that's fine. Those are good times. We do that sometimes here on the podcast. But sometimes we get emo as fuck, too. Sometimes we get super serious on the podcast. And I like saying meaningful stuff. I try to be thoughtful. I try to be deep. But if you give yourself time to be silent, I mean, sometimes things come out of a silence that just wouldn't surface otherwise. 
I'm thinking about like when you get older, I think the type of, I I think if you're doing it right, I think for most people, the type of people that you're attracted to changes over time. And as you come to know yourself and as you have some failed relationships and you, I mean, it's sort of like eating, you know what I mean? Like when you're a kid, you like yummy stuff, you like sweet things. And of course, when you're young, you like physical beauty, you're in, you know, maybe those are the things that you try to get in or, you know, you try to date, you know, you date for looks and of course you date for personality too, but you just don't really know what you want. So you just sort of take whatever you're attracted to. And then you have some of those relationships and you develop a keener palate. <laughs> you know, you, you have that sort of, like there's things that adults eat and drink and taste that they like that kids taste and they fucking want to spit it out. Cause they're like, what the fuck? Like wine or something like that. They're just more nuanced. Do you know what I mean? Life is like that too. And I, I don't know, maybe like when like literally the relief of your life changes as you get older people that were formerly in the forefront they kind of disappear and they recede into the background and you develop a more keener palette and it's like things that were formerly in the background that you maybe didn't appreciate they fucking really step forward do you know what i mean but i feel like thoughts are that way too like, I think part of, and I think some some of it comes from just being in your 30s or whatever. Like, I've talked about, you know, when you're, until you're in your late 20s, your brain is still developing. Do you know what I'm saying? You're still under the influence of drugs, of your, the, the, the drugs of your biology, do you know? There's literally something else steering the ship of your head. And so, it feels fucking chaotic, do you know? But there really is a sea, sea change of just in a living experiential difference once you're in your late 20s, early 30s. It really is a cool time. And it doesn't mean that your problems disappear, but it's like, I don't know. It's like you know how to, like when you're first snowboarding or something, and I'm sure skiing is the same way, but I'm thinking of snowboarding, it feels fucking hairy. Like, you have your one foot strapped in the minute you get your other foot in, it's like, it's fucking, you're just lucky if you don't sit on your ass. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I'm kind of embarrassed. Like the first time I went snowboarding with my brother, we went with our friend Brent who, uh, he did a lot of snowboarding and stuff. And it was so hard for me to just stand up on my board. I was fucking livid. Do you know what I mean? And I was throwing like a fucking temper tantrum on the fucking hill. Like, why the fuck did you guys bring me up here? It was awful. I think back on that and I go, God, what a little bitch I was being. And the whole first day is a nightmare. And just toward the end of it, you start to stand up. And it's just enough to make you think, oh, maybe I should come back out here. But if you ever get to the point where you are comfortable and you can sort of carve and you can go on your toes and you can go on your heels, you're just in control. You know, you developed the sort of micro muscle movements that it takes to sort of stabilize yourself. You know, at first you're swinging, you know, you're using big muscles. You you don't have the micro movements. It's like drumming, you know, or cooking. It's like everybody has the same recipe, but the reason that someone else's looks better is because they have the finely attuned that you can only get from experience, the, the, the finely attuned sense and intuition to do it better. 
You know, a little change here, a little out of the oven earlier here, even whisking things a certain way, you know, getting it more aerated or... Do you know what I mean? They've just done it so many times, they know the little micro-adjustments that can be made that just make all the difference. Cumulatively make all the difference. And life is that way, too. I mean, there's things now like, you know, we I feel like a fucking broken record. We were talking about the Netflix show Love is Blind, but there was one character... Um, it's a dating reality show. People are engaged to be married or whatever. And as the wedding date approaches, this one girl says, I'm, I'm worried, you know, I'm really scared now because for, there was a moment there where the butterflies disappeared, you know, my love for you, the, the, the butterflies disappeared and I'm worried that that will happen again. And it's like, uh, they will, but that's not what a sustainable life is built on. Do you know what I mean? Um, where the fuck am I going with all this? I don't know. I don't fucking know, man. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, I don't know what to tell you guys. <clears throat> yeah, times are tough, man. Things are hard. I'm just hoping at the end of this, um, you know, in about five days, I'll have had my psych test and I'll have had my chemistry test. I just hope I'm not fucking pissed. You know, I hope I'm not disappointed in myself. You know, I'm in that moment where I'm trying to do everything I can to prepare. I mean, we were talking about this the last time. When I had my first exams this semester, I was fucking, oh, it's not going to go well. I'm going to do awful. And lo and behold, I did fucking incredible. I got over 100% on my math exam. I got an A on my chemistry exam. I got an A on my psych exam. And every time I have these experiences, I tell myself, hey, next time when this comes around, remember, no need to fucking crucify and torture yourself about this. Stay vigilant, do the work, and things will probably work out in your favor. But it always happens. Now that I'm staring down the barrel of these tests, I feel like, oh, I'm not prepared enough. I'm not doing the work. You know, I'm not uh, focusing as much as I could be. And believe me, I'm fucking buried in chemistry right now. Do you know what I mean? I'm, re- I'm going through all the chapters. I'm redoing the problems in the chapter. There's all these problem sets at the end of the chapters. I'm doing those. Or the odd ones, because the answers are in the back of the book. I can check against those. But... I still feel like I'm not, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to fail and it's going to be because I didn't, I think because it, like, I think I imagine this time where it's going to be easy. Like, I think because I fight myself so much during the process, I feel like I'm not doing as well as I could if I was just, if it wasn't hard, you know, if it wasn't difficult. And for some reason, because the process is hard, I feel like I'm not doing it right. You know, I imagine this time in the future where I'll just be able to sort of be a robot and walk through this experience effortlessly. And until I'm there, it's like I'm still failing. You know, and I, instead of being like, oh, I feel overwhelmed. Oh, I feel concerned. I feel anxious. But the observable experience is I'm doing the work. 
isn't that who I get to be? And I feel like actually this is related to where I lost the point a second ago. Um, I was saying I was going to protect somebody's privacy. Um, and it, dude, it's funny. I don't know how, I don't know where it came from earlier, but I know I was talking about it before, but I was thinking, you know, the way I've talked about it in my own therapy. Um, ah, yes. <clears throat> I was saying, yeah, I think I was saying I used to be skinnier or whatever, and I, I would say I'm relatively healthy. But all I ever want to do is sit on my ass, watch movies, read books, and eat pepperoni pizza. Oh, and drink and smoke weed. Like, th- this is what I'm saying. Your boy hasn't had a substance in three years, so he's sober. And I've had times where I didn't drink for like eight years, you know what I'm saying? I was still like smoking weed and stuff, but I've been sober for like three years now. And I would say until the last few weeks, I'm relatively healthy. And I get, apparently I'm getting straight A's in school. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think part of it is just being like the oldest kid in some of my classes. But I think because I show up and I work well, people kind of parentalize me in the class. Do you know? Like now that the online uh, online classes have started, you know, our our chemistry teacher's a little older, not very technologically intuitive. He's sort of struggling to get the our first online, um, you know, Zoom lecture or video lecture going. And as the, you know, class time passes and nothing's up, people are messaging me, asking me what's going on, as if I'm the fucking TA. But in their head, it's because I'm like the oldest person in the class. They, not that they realize it consciously, but they have deputized me as like their sort of go-to adult in the class. Do you know what I mean? Um, but also part of that's predicated on the fact that I'm a good student. Like if I was just the oldest person in the class and I walked around with the fucking propeller beanie on and drooling out of my mouth, I don't think people would be asking me questions, but because I also happen to be a good student, I think they parentalize me. But the point is, is there is often, if I'm just being non, uh, sort of dispassionate, non-emotional about it, the observable truth is that things are going very well. You know, I may feel pressure, but Hey, I'm, I'm doing good. Or look, all you want to do is eat pepperoni pizza and drink beer and smoke weed and watch movies and read books and do nothing. But if all you do do is do your homework, show up for work, you know, eat well, that's who you get to be. Do you know what I mean? And I know that's weird for some people, especially now, because we want to crucify everybody for their thoughts, which... Like, by the way, I remember when I was, like, first getting into, like, atheism and skepticism, that was, like, the, you know, and this is what all the the liberals were against, you know, they, they hated organized religion, that was what was wrong for me, that was one of the primary problems with religion, is they were policing people's thoughts, do you know what I mean? Like, your thoughts were crimes, you know, you were, um, uh, you were tainted with original sin by your very nature, you know, you need to confess and apologize to God for what you think. You know, what, there's something like a, a thought of adultery is adultery, or there's some quote in the Bible that's like, to, you know, once you've thought of of um, adulterous things, you've done adulterous things, you, know, you might as well have done them. The thought, it, it, in and of itself, the thought is as much a sin as the deed itself. Um, and for some reason, the, the liberal left is now that's like their fucking banner is they not only want to police what people do, but what they think, you know? But, um, my thing is, is I don't care what you think. 
really what, I mean, don't get me wrong. I, for yourself, I want your thoughts to be happy also. For your own living experience, I would like you to have better thoughts. I'd like you to be nicer to yourself. I'd like you to not think horrible things that are making you unhappy. But as far as society goes, it doesn't really matter, does it? Nobody gives a shit what you think if all you do is something else. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think Adam Carolla was talking about this. He says, like, I don't care if you're an arsonist if you never set a fire. You know, or I don't care if you're a pyromaniac if you never set a fire. If all you do is think about burning down buildings and vandalizing property, but you never do it, then who really cares? Do you know? And I'm not talking like, well, they have the potential to do it. Understand the hypothetical. If you never, if never do do it, then who really gives a shit? Do you know what I'm saying? And again, for your own personal experience, I want you to be free of those thoughts and, and desires also. But if you never do do it, who really cares? Um, anyway, I think I'm trying to explore why can't I extend that generosity to myself? Yeah, I feel tortured. Yeah, I feel overwhelmed. Yeah, I'm always, I always worry that I'm not doing enough. But if, if according to every measurable standard externally, I'm doing okay, why can't I be nicer to myself? I was talking about this personified perfect self that I feel like I live against that's doing well, that's unfettered, that's accomplishing everything I wish I could if I could just be free. You know, if I could just have the creative confidence or the creative courage or the, even the life courage to just do what you fucking dare to dream. Do you know what I fucking mean? I feel like an inspirational poster right now. But if I could just be free and dare to dream, to do what I've always wanted to do that I'd be free somehow and that my life could be completely different. Meanwhile, I'm living the fucking, I was taught, I was calling it the Pinocchio life, you know, and the strings are, you know, the sort of puppet strings of my life are the self doubt and the worry and past trauma and the cobwebs that you're, the layers of cobwebs that you're trying to fucking peel off. Like, (laughs) I feel like a crazy man, but literally like nine times out of 10, when I walk out of my house and I, you know, I, we have this sort of, you know, little, um, parallel walk to the driveway or whatever. The point I'm trying to make is every time I leave the house, I walk through a goddamn spider web. Do you know what I'm saying? And I spend the goddamn time walking to the car, like peeling this invisible thing off my face that nobody else can see. I must look like a goddamn crazy person. But for some reason, I always think back to Indiana Jones and the temple of doom. Like in the beginning, I think it's the one with the boulder. I think that's Temple of Doom. Anyway, the point is, is Indiana Jones is like, actually it's not. That's that's like, it's one of the other Indiana Jones movies. But anyway, the point is, is he's walking through these layers of cobwebs and I just think, I just feel viscerally what that must feel like and how fucking gross it is to have these layers of cobwebs to peel off. But that's kind of like what life is for a lot of people. You know, we go through our early childhood and we're fucking, a lot of us are traumatized um, to varying degrees, but you do feel adulthood is this this process of peeling off the layers of these cobwebs that you accumulated in your early life to get back to this sort of otherwise unscathed person beneath that you could have been if you just didn't have all this exterior to peel off. You know, we've talked about this in other episodes, the sort of return to childhood. You know, there's a lot for a lot of people when they reach a certain age, you know, maybe it's this golden era I'm talking about of being in your 30s. And by the way, when I'm 40, I'll be talking about how shitty your 30s are and how great your 40s are. But is this idea of like, you feel like you return to childhood, you, you return to this pure sense of yourself, that you were sort of lost in the woods for a long time. And you sort of, 
refound yourself and your, your interests even revert to things that you were interested in as a kid. Do you know what I mean? Um, And so you picture this younger version of yourself. If I just didn't have that circuitous journey that I've been on for the last who knows how many years or whatever, if I had just been able to make the right decisions and that my life would have been completely different. I mean, I go back to the example of the movie Labyrinth, you know, where um, Sarah, Jennifer Connelly's character is like in the very beginning, she's walking down and she could either go left or right. And the worm says, oh, don't go that way. Never go that way. And she goes, oh, okay. So she goes right. And as soon as she's at earshot, he says, oh, good thing she didn't go that way. She would have gone straight to the center of the labyrinth. You know, she would have gone straight to that castle, which is exactly where she's trying to go. So we know, damn, Jennifer Connelly's character could have spared herself the whole journey if she had just made that left right there. But the point is, is that if you, if you don't have the journey, you don't grow from it. Do you know what I mean? You can only appreciate, you know, you have to have the journey. You have to meet the magical friends along the way. You have to fucking fight the Goblin King. You have to slay the dragon. Do you know what I'm saying? The monomyth, man, read up on it. <sighs> anyway, I don't know. I see us, uh, my light's about to go off here. We've been doing this for about an hour and yeah, I don't know. Not really sure what else to talk about. So maybe we will wrap it up there. Um, I hope, I hope you guys are doing okay. I hope this podcast is a small good thing in your life right now. Um, even, even if it just is for an hour a week. Um, you know, I was even flirting with the idea of starting the video podcast over the shelter in place or maybe even doing more episodes. But honestly, um, even once a week, and I, I think mostly it's my mood, but for some reason, even doing this once a week has been difficult lately. And uh, it shouldn't be. I have more time than ever, frankly. So, you know, why is it so difficult all of a sudden? I don't know. I think it has more to do with my mood. But, um, but it's like working out which I need to start doing, but you know, I may not look forward to it, but once I do it, I really enjoy it. And believe it or not, we had a couple hiccups or not. Maybe things happened exactly the way they needed to, but overall, I think this was a good episode and, um, I'll think about it and I hope you think about it too. And maybe when we reconvene next week, we'll have more to say about some of the things we touched on in this episode. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, please do on Apple podcasts or Spotify, Take a minute to rate and review it. Give it five stars. And please, please type a couple sentences about why you like the podcast and think of one person in your life who you think would enjoy it and share it with them. You can connect with the podcast on Instagram and Twitter at thisismpod. You can find the website at thisismpod.com and you can email us at thisismpod at gmail.com. Uh, also, if you want to check out my original music, you can on Spotify. Look up the artist M, the heir apparent. That's the letter M the H-E-I-R apparent, and stream the playlist of all my original music from 2019 called Gentleman Caller. It should be featured on my playlist. It expires like every 14 days or so, and every once in a while I look up and I realize it's been gone for a couple days and I just throw it back up there. But either way, find my artist uh, name and uh, stream my music. And uh, otherwise, um, or just listen to the podcast. That's cool too. Um, so anyway, yeah, let's wrap it up there, shall we? Uh, again, take care of yourselves, uh, stay home, and uh, stay safe. And uh, I hope you're spending your time during this shelter-in-place uh, trying to 
trying to move the needle. Do you know what I mean? Put put the put the needle on a different groove and see what songs plays. Uh, see what song plays. Try listening to that quieter voice in yourself and try to reflect on. Try to use this time maybe pursuing something you wouldn't normally pursue otherwise and see where it takes you. Trust the process. Trust that. Trust that calling. You know to do something else. Uh, if you're wanting permission to do that, you have mine. Um, so thanks for listening. Appreciate your time. And ciao. For now. <laughs>